Hey y'all, my name is Josh. I'm a fourth year med student heading to Atlanta. It's a beautiful day here in Michigan. The sun is finally out. It's in the 30s, but you know what? We're still going to get after it. Today, um, I want to go through epigenetics with you. Okay, so let's get right into it. Um, epigenetics is an interesting thing, right? The, the, the definition of it is basically... Um, the changes in gene expression caused by mechanisms other than changes in actual DNA sequence. So what does that mean? Okay, so when um, We talked about how you can modify DNA right to like acetylate it You can do some other things to it specifically methylation You can do some really interesting things like histone modification, right? So you can also like DNA can have mutations, and that alters the actual genetic code, but you can also inactivate that DNA in different ways, um, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the ways other than um, changes to the actual DNA sequence that can affect gene expression, okay? So there's a few key examples that we're going to be talking about today. The, the, the two that we're going to be talking about are X inactivation and imprinting. We've already talked about histone modification. One thing I want you to take away from histone modification without going back to that episode is that when you acetylate histones, you take away their charge, right? When you acetylate them, you give them this negative charge, and that negative charge actually repels DNA, which has an inherent negative charge, making it more likely to be transcribed. So acetylation of a histone causes increased transcription of that DNA. When you methylate it and things like that, you can alter it either by, um, it can actually affect it in a positive, you know, like increased transcription or decreased transcription, depending on where those methylated methylations occur. But what I want you to take away is the other interesting thing, is that when you methylate these things, that can also be passed down through generations, which is like the this theory, it's this epigenetic theory where it's like, you know, prior traumas um, from the father or mother can actually be passed down genetically via this process um, to their offspring. And it's the argument for like, this is off topic, we're not going to even be tested on this, but it's just an interesting theory where it's basically talking about how like systemic racism can actually be, you know, passed down from generation to generation through these traumas that get inherently like coded into that DNA. Um, it's sort of an interesting side topic. You're not going to get tested on it. It's a theory, I think. I actually don't know if they've proven it yet or not, but it seems pretty legit. Anyway, so let's get into X activation, okay? So let me tell you about this, okay? This is the, um, basically, what it does is it inactivates um, one of the X chromosomes, right, into a bar body. That's what X inactivation is, right? And this, this uh, normalizes the genetic amount of males and females, right? This is what we refer to as lionization, right? It's why this is actually a really interesting concept, right? Like mom is going to pass one X chromosome, right, to her offspring, and dad's going to either pass an X chromosome or a Y chromosome. That's called lionization, and it's that 50% chance there, right? It's 50% um, uh, of the genetic amount for mom is going to be passed from mom, then 50% is going to be passed from dad. That's called lionization, okay? And basically what uh, X inactivation is, I've already said it, but basically you only are able to basically um, have one X chromosome. If you have any other X chromosomes within a, within a cell, 
they get inactivated. So a triploid X chromosome, if you have three X chromosomes, you'll have two bar bodies or two inactivated X chromosomes, okay? And this process is mediated by this key thing. It's called the exist gene, X-I-S-T, exist. Does the X chromosome exist? I don't know. Exist gene mediates the basically um, uh, inactivation of the X chromosome, right? And this is done through methylation, okay? Inactivation of the X chromosome is done through uh, methylation, and it's actually it's done at a specific stage um, of development uh, when the um, uh, basically when the the female embryo is undergoing its blastocyst uh, uh, stage. We haven't really talked about that yet, so it's okay if that goes over your head. But that's actually key. That's what they'll probably end up testing you on if they want to get down to the nitty gritty. Not necessarily high yield. But I think like if you just remember blastocyst stage of the female embryo is when the excess gene causes methylation of the X chromosome turning it into a bar body or X inactivated, okay? So the copy of the X chromosome which is chosen for inactivation is actually completely random. So um, that's one thing to keep in mind that like if you have two chromosomes, one is healthy, you'll have a 50% chance of, of having that disease. We actually talked about that in a previous episode. And the clinical relevance to that is because it can cause mosaicism, right? Which is when basically like you get this non-homogeneous X inactivation, right? Because it's random, you can have some cells that express, um, the, if it's in a female em embryo, you'll have some cells that express this uh, paternal X chromosome and some will uh, express this uh, maternal X chromosome. And depending on which ones are healthy, you'll have some cells that have like healthy X chromosomes, some will have unhealthy X chromosomes. You can have just mosaicism where like some cells are going to be expressing paternal, uh, you know, X chromosome DNA or your mom's X chromosome DNA. So it causes mosaicism, okay? And um, that's X inactivation, okay? The next one I want to talk about is imprinting. And imprinting is actually what I was trying to... Um, talk about when I was talking about this like um, uh, basically let's get into it okay so this describes the differences in transcriptional activity based on whether the chromosome is of maternal or paternal origin okay that's what imprinting is so basically what happens with imprinting is it um, it takes a single locus right and um, like you can have, so a locus on mom's DNA uh, or mom's chromosome that she gave. And what it does is it'll, it'll basically silence that chromosome and basically make it so that you're only expressing um, genetic information from the other uh, homologous chromosome. So like you silence like, so I want you to think of this like this, okay? This is actually um, an interesting thing. So with X inactivation, you have two X chromosomes, you silence one of them, okay? Does that make sense? So imprinting is the autosomal basically like equivalent to that. You have two homologous chromosomes, right? You have a chromosome from mom and a chromosome from dad. And you, I want to say silence, but you can actually have like different levels of expression. But let's just go like to extremes. You silence one of those autosomal chromosomes and one of them leads to expression, right? So one allele is, is active and another allele is inactive, okay? And this creates actually, it'd be like you're a hemizygous state, right? You're not expressing one allele, right? So there's a few different mechanisms for this, right? 
you can either um, inactivate or in, imprint, right? Imprint, inactivate the allele via methylation during gametogenesis, right? And this creates a transcriptionally inactive allele, okay? So gametogenesis, you methylate this chromosome or this locus on that chromosome, right? This locus on that allele, and you inactivate it. It can be maternal or paternally specific, right? So like, let's say like, this, this always happens, but like, um, this doesn't always happen, but like in our example that I'm gonna give you, like let's say this locus of this gene, if it comes from a mom, is always inactivated. That's another way that it can happen, right? Um, and basically like during gametogenesis, um, whenever you have this like methylation, like let's say it's, it's inactivated during your, in your somatic cells, usually during gametogenesis, um, it'll actually reset and be demethylated. Um, allowing it to be like recopied so that you can undergo like cell division and whatnot. So that's something to keep in mind, okay? But then after cell division and whatnot, it can be remethylated and things like that. So why is this important? Well, there are two classic examples that you're gonna be tested on um, um, during the exam for imprinting. These are, these are okay, uh, you know, this is actually a key, a key thing I want you to keep in mind. On exam day, they are not going to test you on like novel non-existent diseases they're going to use diseases like that are well known well understood and commonly used to give like to describe a specific example so like i'll give you an example for trinucleotide repeats there are going to be four diseases that you're going to be tested on they will not test you on any other diseases when they're trying to um, test you on the um, concept of trinucleotide repeat diseases okay that's all they'll ever test you on. So for imprinting, the only kinds of diseases that they're gonna test you on are these two, Prader-Willi syndrome and Angelman syndrome. So let's get into it, okay? Let me give you the specifics of Prader-Willi syndrome, okay? This is a deletion or mutation of a normally active paternal allele, specifically on 15Q, the long arm of the 15th chromosome, okay? Prader-P paternal deletion. Okay, are we following? Great. Prader-Willi uh, patients are gonna have like odd behavioral problems. They'll have neonatal hypotonia. So basically this is classically like a baby's gonna come out. It's gonna be like having some like, it's gonna be a floppy baby. And then it'll have really small gonads. And then as it grows up, it's going to develop like this hyperphagia right? So it's going to always be hungry. They're going to have extreme obesity. They're going to uh, display some mental retardation. They're going to have some behavioral problems. And this is all due to a paternal deletion, right? Of basically a normally active, um, uh, so it can be due to a deletion or mutation of a paternally, uh, of the paternal allele on 15Q, okay? So what happens? Well, the mom is only expressing her DNA, right? And that DNA is going to have like basically the issue here and then you're going to develop this Prader-Willi syndrome, okay? So basically paternal deletion, paternal DNA is no longer working so mom is expressed, so the child or offspring is expressing the mom's DNA which has this uh, Prader-Willi syndrome associated with it at that locus, okay? Angelman's, Angelman's syndrome is the opposite. This is due to an angel men m maternal deletion on the 15q chromosome right so it's basically the exact opposite of prader willi syndrome right 
maternal deletion, dad is expressing his gene, uh, his genes in his offspring, which are, which are mutant, and they actually cause this uh, Engelman syndrome phenotype, okay? So let me give you the, the, the clinical description of this. This is the disruption of the maternally expressed, right, and paternally imprinted gene, UB3A, which encodes an E3 ubi ubiquitin ligase. If you remember ubiquitin ligase, um, E3, remember we talked about this in an early episode, it's the targeting pathway for a, um, a basically a protein that needs to go to the, uh, I, I believe it's the proteasome. Okay, so this typically results from a deletion of the normally active maternal allele on chromosome 15Q, right, which is the same region of the genome as Prader-Willi syndrome, um, which is caused by a deletion, but it's on the opposite chromosome, right? Um, uh, it's on the dad's chromosome. So what I want you to take away from this is it's a uh, deletion of the normally active maternal allele. And then basically what happened is the, is the dad's gene has been imprinted, so the dad's gene is turned off as well, and then you basically are not expressing this UBE3A protein on either, because one is turned off, right? One is deleted, like mom's, mom's, Engelman's, and mom's chromosome at this location is deleted, and dad's is imprinted. It's been turned off. So you're not expressing any UB3A, right, which encodes for this E3 ubiquitin ligase, and then you get this Engelman syndrome phenotype, okay? And this is interesting, right? Because they present with inappropriate laughter, this happy puppet. I implore you to go on YouTube and just look at what that sounds like. They have, they're like similar, like they're hyperactive, they have a speech impairment. They have these like, they're basically like all over, all over the place, and they have inappropriate laughter, and then like you can imagine them getting so wound up so tight that they'll eventually have some seizures, and they have severe cognitive difficulty. There's a variety of, you know, theories for why that is, but like when you have a ton of seizures, usually that's like overreacting uh, in the brain, you can have neuro uh, excitotoxicity, so that's where that uh, comes from, that's how I want you to think of it, okay? Both of these syndromes affect males and females equally, right, because these are, these are located on, um, uh, somatic, um, uh, like basically these are located on your chromosomes that are not sex related. So it's going to be, um, uh, not related to like their sex chromosomes. So it's going to be between males and females evenly. I hope this helped. So again, what I want you to remember is on test day for step one purposes, they're going to be trying to get, they're going to be testing the concept of imprinting. And what you need to understand about imprinting is that basically the gene that is imprinted is silenced, okay? They're not going to use that part of the DNA that's been imprinted for transcription. So the other homologous chromosome is gonna be the one that's being used. And if that one has a mutation, or if that one's straight up deleted, right? You're not going to have expression of that gene. And then therefore, you're gonna develop these like um, disease phenotypes, specifically the ones you're going to be tested on for exam day are Prader-Willi syndrome, paternally um, deleted or mutated allele on 15Q causing the um, expression of the maternal allele, okay? But the, the problem is, is the maternal allele, right, has been um, imprinted for Prader-Willi syndrome, so you're not expressing either, right? And then for Engelman syndrome, the maternal allele, Engelman M, the maternal allele has been deleted and the paternal allele is imprinted, right? So both genes are turned off. You're not expressing this UBE3A for Engelman's, right? So you're not making this uh, E3 ubiquitin ligase. 
and then you get this uh, Engelman syndrome, which has seizures, it has um, odd, uh, inappropriate laughter, it has speech impairment, ataxia, these kids are uh, a little bit awkward, but they're not obese, that's the key here, right? With Prader-Willi syndrome, you're gonna have obesity. They're gonna be obese and they're gonna have really, uh, they're gonna have hypogonadism, right? Engelman syndrome, they're gonna be skinny, they're gonna be hyper, they're gonna have ADHD, they're gonna have seizures, okay? So that's how you tell the two apart. It's both testing and printing. I hope this was a helpful episode. I believe the next episode that we're going to do is going to be called, let's see here, um, population genetics. Why not? I think population genetics is, a, is an interesting one. You'll get a question or two on this. I think it's worth going over. Um, so we'll see you in the next episode. Have a nice day.